up internet typing till you're gone typing till you're gone my name is matthew kroll and i'm sorry it's a fear fart my name is shahir dowd and this is the only podcast about movies specifically the film the bob's burgers movie so this is the only podcast about yes. movies the bob's burgers movie movie episode episode gotcha gotcha this is episode 385 i believe uh holy shit we have been apart for a little while and we didn't quite have an opportunity to catch up and reminisce during our last episode so i apologize listeners this is going to be the bob's burgers movie and catching up that's right and emails and a lot of housekeeping we'll give you the time code if all you're interested in is that sweet sweet meat uh <laughs> but before then shahir you were you were um uh, in, a, in a not a galaxy far far away but it might as well have been distance wise it might as well have been i was in the southern hemisphere experiencing uh the southern winter uh as opposed to the heat wave that we're experiencing right now i got to travel back uh not under good circumstances but under uh, circumstances that necessitated travel and some uh, health uh, problems uh, that I wanted to assist with in New mm-hmm. Zealand uh, with my immediate family. And uh, so I traveled to New Zealand uh, and spent about a month there, which uh, was very unexpected. I was not, uh, <laughs> it was not on the cards for me to go to New Zealand for a month uh, <laughs> at any point this year or any, any time in the near future. Uh, but I had had COVID very, very recently. Um, and uh, my, my family wasn't going to be traveling with me. Uh, it was just going to be me flying solo. So I kind of felt confident. Uh, oh well, you know, somewhat comfortable with flying. I will say, uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> side notes right away. Uh, sure. Traveling internally, uh, people seem to have been like fuck masks the whole way. Uh, but traveling externally, uh, the United States, everyone's all masked and everyone's very conscientious of the mask huh. uh, mask paradigm. But uh, it, it seems to be a different case inside I've- the United. States. Uh, I yeah, will I've say- done a little bit of travel myself, and yeah. airlines, everyone involved does not give a shit. I, I still messed up because I'm in a metal tube full of people I don't know. But exactly. The, uh, exactly. It's like, what can you do? Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say uh, it was a very... Uh, challenging uh, month with uh, several medical conditions that needed to be uh, navigated. But uh, that's, that's what I was there for. I was there just to help out with many people's different things, including, sure. including as it turned out, COVID. Uh, not myself, but immediate family members got COVID. So Oof. there was that whole sort of separation thing. Uh, I will say uh, there's an interesting thing with New Zealand um, and, you know, kia ora to everybody in New Zealand. Uh, but, you know, like I, I got the impression – uh, they just New Zealanders just hadn't had the experience we had had, where, <laughs> you know, like so where we were deathly afraid of a virus that actually killed over a million people in the United States. New Zealand had the exact opposite experience. We're literally after a two to three month lockdown for the next two years. New Zealand had life as normal. Uh, yeah. You know, the occasional flare up where people were concerned about where you know someone having covid in the nearby vicinity but other than that they actually had pretty much life as normal so uh they are currently experiencing the omicron wave and and that is kind of throwing things into a loop for them because they haven't had the immediate experience that we had had uh up until this point so there was just some sort of like confusion about like a lot of people were asking me tips about testing and covid and what to do and i was like i am no by no means an expert on this topic but i mean you you know you kind of are more than that i mean they're like in a time machine it it feels like at this point they might depending on how it is like no matter how careful or good they were because the rest of the world was an asshole uh (laughs) it's gonna just roll through there just later yeah but they're still they're 
there look again they uh there's a lot of backlash right now politically against their covid response which i am quite surprised by um but uh i i am still very proud of new zealand's response and i think uh they did an excellent job of like communicating you know you have to remember the first year of covid in the united states we had Donald Trump and, it, it, you know, uh, health leadership was kind of one of the key factors in uh, the situation that we got into. So at any rate, I went to New Zealand. I also went to Fiji uh, to see my family, uh, my brother, and to meet my nephew, Jerry, for the first time. Bulawanaka, Jerry. It was really nice to meet uh, them. And um, it was really interesting, actually. You know, I've always thought of myself as a New Zealander, but uh, I went back to the place that I was born for the first time in a while. And a strange thing happened, which is as soon as I got off the plane... Uh, a dude was like, uh, came up to me and said this in Hindi as well. And I understood him exactly. But he was like, who is this tall guy? You must be Arshad's brother. And I was like, I realized that Fiji is very small and there's not a Whoa. lot of tall Indians. So I was like, uh, everywhere we went, people knew who we were. Uh, and it was, it was actually really lovely. It was really nice. That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, F- wow. I, Fiji has a population of 900,000 people and the, and the, the city where I was born has a population of 100. And only three tall dudes. <laughs> yeah, so. and three, three tall Indian dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Shahir, you missed so much. I, I uh, want to, the- I want, I, I want to thank you first for the excellent job that you did at both coordinating, running, uh, distributing, um, producing, doing everything, <laughs> showing that I am. But a mere luxury good in this in this in this podcast. I am not a necessity whatsoever, and I am I, I'm, happy I'm about the that. meat and or potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you are all of the spices. <laughs> um, no, uh, no. Thank you. It, it was uh, it was tough but fun. I mean, it's it's always so much more helpful because I don't for you know how, how the sausage made everyone at home. Shahir and I kind of split duties across different bits of uh, of the production of this podcast. Um, and when one of us is away, it kind of throws that off. Uh, like for instance, Shahir normally writes the descriptions. <laughs> I normally write. In fact, I think I got through once. You might remember, uh, listeners, if you're an eagle-eyed, uh, listener out there, I, I, there was a colon, 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 Shahir words, colon, <laughs> colon, colon, was the description for an episode there for like, episode uh, that I forgot to write in time. <laughs> yeah. 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 But like, so, so, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we, we got it done. We made it through. We had some great guests. Um, you had BK and, Rewind. You had Patrick Willems. You had Will Temper. Is that it? Yep. Is, is it? Is that the three? Those are the three big guys. Those are the three that I had uh, without, and then uh, yes, yes, those were those are the those are the in-house. Uh, uh, oh, and Jess Tucker, Jess and Jess Tucker, of course, Can't yeah, of Jess course, Tucker. Jess Tucker. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, they they were the co-hosting duties were the, the, your, your your seat was in good hands. They all kept it nice and warm and in different uh, cinematic voices. But don't worry, as well, you didn't miss a damn thing outside of the podcast. The city is exactly the same as when you left it. Oh, great. Nice and uh, the trash is warm. The smells are mm. out. The uh, mm. people are in flip-flops and uh, shorts and uh, yeah, right? And my AMC movie pass has never worked better. <laughs> well, I want to say the other thing that happened while I was away was there were a ton of emails that we got uh, that have been yeah. backed up. 
Uh, I want to say we see you all. Thank you so much for writing those emails. We are going to get Very through nice. uh, a small chunk of them today, and then we will uh, continue to go through those in the next few weeks. You can continue to email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all your thoughts. In fact, this first email, I didn't see the the movie Elvis. I presume, and th- th- this was the other thing that was tricky about um, uh, not being able to contribute, is that you did movies that I did not see. Um, sure. So I couldn't even like chime in with a swarmy comment uh, or an email or anything like that. So I have not listened to those episodes yet, although I, as soon as I do see these movies, I will. Um, <laughs> I presume uh, by reading this first email, you asked uh, a pointed question about the uh, Baz Luhrmann writing credits of this movie. Is that correct? Yeah, you yeah. What, it, you were, what you were calling? So was? the long, the long short of it was when we were leaving the theater, we saw the poster mm-hmm. um, outside. Uh, uh, you know, as you were leaving, and has you know the, the 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 thin text at the bottom, and I forget exactly how it was worded. Will caught it. It was like it was written by. Boz Lerman, blankety blank, story by Boz Lerman, blankety blank, blankety blank, and Boz Lerman. And it was like, and they used like a different and and an ampersand. And like, it was just, it was, it felt doubled and wrong, like a misprint, but maybe it wasn't. That's, we asked if people understood that. Uh, Yeah. And yeah. Zach wrote in uh, with, I very much enjoyed your latest episode on Elvis for what it's worth. I think it is indeed one of Baz's burst mo- uh, best movies <laughs> right up there with burst Shakespeare's movies. Romeo and Juliet. About the query posted uh, regarding the Lermanification of the credits uh, on Elvis, I can answer why Baz received multiple writing credits and the difference between and 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 or ampersand Perfect. and and when it comes to such credits. Uh, hit me, this hit is me. from uh, listener Zach, who uh, has also been a guest on the show, and we were hoping to get in for the bo- for this actual episode, but we will definitely get him back because, if anything, this email demonstrates he is a, a, a trove of actual useful information. And here we go. Here's the answer to your question, Matt. Per okay. the Writers Guild of America, an ampersand denotes when two or more people worked on the script together. The and indicate writing written out indicates that the writers wrote their drafts separately. Whoa. With that in mind, Mr. Lumen worked on two uh, worked with two different writing partners for different drafts. One with Sam Bromell and the other with longtime collaborator Craig Pierce. The third credited writer, Jeremy Donner, must have written a separate draft, not under the auspices of Grand Old Bears. As such, per the WGA, all of these drafts submitted to the Guild likely had enough material that made it into the movie. Though it should be noted, this is merely an assumption, as there are quite a few cases where the WGA's credit process has had two writers who have had a lot of material make it into films and not be credited and writers who do be, who barely uh did anything not have a lot of work featured still get a credit the whole process can be baffling and mysterious with that said i would assume that the basic plot story beats as envisions done by in a treatment uh or from drafts by baz and donna was enough to garner them separate story credits in any case a writer getting several written by credits is not a such a uh, uh is not such a common occurrence the most recent one i can think of is chloe Zhao with eternals hope this helps please tell shahir that i wish him a happy birthday in advance next year with love zach wow <laughs> zach thank you so much that's so interesting and it's just it's funny because like it was either yeah. a big old typo which is probably not or like again some guild uh you know po- politicking going on and how things had to be done I, I i who i mean i guess does the guild decide that at the end of the day like yeah, absolutely. I, I, again yeah, I know, the, the writers guild will jump in on that and like I, I it's funny because as zach notes like uh you know there's cases where like that doesn't happen or it yeah. happens too much like everything's sort of a human process but 
uh, the the and and the ampersand is super fucking interesting. Yeah, like uh, I I find that uh, that little piece uh, a wonderful little tidbit that I did not know. So thank you very much, Zach. See, you ask and and, and I shall receive. And this is lovely. Is being doled out that is useful for our listeners. I I am so happy uh, that I'm going to read the next email from Stephen. Stephen writes, "Hey guys, just wanted to ask a serious question." Is Thor Love and Thunder the worst Marvel movie, or was it the worst Marvel movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. Sub-question, when did nuance in art die? <laughs> Indeed, when did nuance die in everything? Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, look, there is I actually a know. wonderful article by Film Crit Hulk this week about the reasons how uh, uh, public opinion can sway over time. Uh, from absolutely positive to absolutely negative. And I think the quote that he uses um, may have been from Billy Wilder. Uh, and, and all it says is the audience is finicky. And uh, in so much as we, no one knows how the audience is going to turn or love a film in equal part. So um, I think we saw in our discussion of that film last week that uh, for Siddhanta Lanka, uh, for example, that this was the, the final stop on the MCU train as far as he was concerned. Um, I'm not There's, sure if it was the case for you, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting no, how this is a, this film has has swung the fences. I think. I mean, so I have a theory too. I think people. Uh, I mean, again, I not to not to quote another superhero movie to talk about what's going on with superhero movies, but you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like there, society has a way of if you nine times out of ten, if you are popular enough, it will turn. Mm. Uh, and again, it's not like it's doing any, the, the, these movies, again, it, I don't want to say that they're bad, but this, that, I was thinking a lot about it, like, because Sedan was mentioning how this was his least favorite Marvel movie, and I was like, is this my least favorite? It doesn't <laughs> feel like my least favorite, right. but I, I went sort of through in my head, like, initially be like, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> it's either this or Doctor Strange. The, the are my Doctor least Strange? favorites. Yeah. Yeah, no, the oh. first Doctor Strange I liked. Okay. Um, like, and this has beaten out stuff that other people have even considered stinkers in, in there. I mean, I don't, but I know people do. Like, I know a lot of people don't vibe with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Iron Man 3 goes back and forth. I know Thor the Dark World's a big thing. Like, but but again, the weird thing here is I didn't, like, dislike my time at the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was fine. But I wonder if Marvel or I've trained myself or they've trained me to like, oh, my God, it's the, the hugest next thing and the next big thing of the next big thing. And now it's just like a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just put that super eloquently. But do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's they're telling us how huge this is. And it turns out like, I mean, it's big, but like, who gives a shit? I'm more interested now in things, not to say that this is the uh, quintessential you know movie, but like. I kind of want Hollywood to learn the lesson with Top Gun. Not that they should resurrect 30-year-old franchises and try to make things out of them because we all know how well that's going to go. But like uh, that there can be blockbuster movies that aren't superhero movies. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't know. If, I, know. I, I don't know if your theory is a hold, but let's see. <laughs> so so uh, I, I haven't given Thor Love and Thunder like a second thought. Right. And that makes me sad. Hmm. So I, I, it could very well be. Uh, the uh, my least favorite Marvel movies. Uh, sub question: When did nuance and art die? About 
uh, maybe did, like a year before the film, pandemic. <laughs> when did film criticism jump the shark? Is I think is what we're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's uh, a there's a great article. I can't remember where it was that wrote about uh, the former now disgraced uh, founder of uh, Ain't It Cool News, Harry Knowles, mm-hmm. who wrote a extended review of Guillermo del Toro's Blade Two. And likened the experience of watching the movie to, I believe, Cunnilingus. And it was a famous review because he goes into graphic detail of, uh, of uh, what it would be like. I think, I can't remember if it was Guillermo del Toro performing Cunnilingus on the audience or, or whether Harry Knowles was performing. I, it's, it's a really famously um, derided crazy review uh i remember okay. reading it when it came out and going what the fuck is going on here um and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a drug. it's it's so bad it's so amazing that there's a retrospective of this particular review uh that you can read online uh which details harry Knowles' existence maybe that's the moment that nuance died i'm not, I'm not exactly that sure. particular review look if you've pinpointed uh more specifically than i have so <laughs> way to go on that <laughs> Uh, one more email here from Vince, uh, who writes in about biopics and coconuts. I still have yeah. not seen Patrick Williams' films, Night of the Coconut. You gotta get on that Nebula Jam. I gotta, I don't have a Nebula account, despite us being on that, uh, on that platform. I gotta get, I gotta get a Nebula we'll account. We'll get it sorted. Uh, hey, Matt, you're here. Uh, uh, in answer to your question, I am 20 and I've always liked Elvis only slightly less than Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. I thought the movie was rock solid. Is it Lilo and Stitch? Uh, Lilo? 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 You might (laughs) Sorry. I thought the movie was rock solid, but it did beg the question, should a film based on real life avoid or acknowledge a controversy if it doesn't have the time to do it justice? For instance, Mm -hmm. would it have been worth it to address even briefly the Priscilla grooming age gap topic? Was the appropriation topic handled well? I'm honestly not sure and would love to hear more of your thoughts about this dynamic in general. On an unrelated note, Hats off to Patrick Willems on a great movie. Would be curious to see if Night of the Coconut starts a filmmaking trend for YouTubers beyond the nebula edutainment scope. Also, Matt, last I heard from Shahir that he was off shooting Steven Soderbergh's The Wiggles biopic. Best to you both. Vince. Thanks, Vince. Also, how's that Wiggles biopic going? Um, Shaky. It's on, sh- it's on yeah. shaky ground. It's, it's a little bit wiggly, is it? It's, it's a little bit wiggly. Uh, yeah, that would, that, uh, that would be... <laughs> So uh, uh, describe it that way, but yeah, no, I as, would love as to be shooting Steven Soderbergh's Boy of Wiggles biopic. Amazing. Uh, going backwards up this email, uh, <laughs> Night of the Coconut was a triumph. Uh, I'm making a note here, huge success. Uh, Patrick uh, pulled off what uh, what many of us uh, would consider the impossible, and um, if you followed his Twitter adventures, he just got back from a, a, a vacation where he was stuck due to airlines, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he was taking a, a well-needed break. I hope, you know, look, this is this is the ballsiest thing, right? Patrick put his money where his mouth was. I mean, Patrick does film criticism and critique, and then he went out and made a feature. Hmm. Like, granted, he did it tied to his stuff. Like, sure, but like, it's great. And I, I don't know that I, I don't know of many uh, video essayists out there uh, that would have been able to pull that off. So, or that have in the past. So, yes, 100% hats off to Patrick. I, I 
love Night of the Coconut so much. Uh, it's it's weird. It's one of those things that I do keep thinking about and will revisit. <laughs> uh, the the antithesis of Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> uh, back to the Elvis question. Sure. Um, yeah. So the two things that they don't really talk about here in the movie. This is spoilers for things that it doesn't really deal with. Are um, the uh, uh, appropriation of uh, music and sort of transitioning rock and roll, etc. And of course, how young Priscilla was when they met. Okay. Um, Priscilla, if you don't know, I believe was fourteen years old, and wow. he was twenty. Two twenty-three. I don't know, and the, the I forget the I I knew all this information. I I know information about a film or a thing for a week, and then it leaves my brain. So I apologize. <laughs> but if I'm remembering correctly, they dated for like seven years, and then like they said that they never got physical till they were married or whatever. Like it doesn't whatever. It seemed like a weird thing to omit mm. from a storyline structure perspective and keeping an audience engaged. I see why they didn't do it. From a, this is an actual human being, like, that had a life that we're just sort of leaving a very troubled spot out of. I also don't like that they didn't reference it. Um, It's weird. I think, here's the truth. I think the movie's better because they didn't do it, but I think they did a disservice to the story because they didn't do it. Right. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it's it's hard to gauge without having seen the film uh, because I, I also am firmly in the camp that... Uh, a film is uh, is not necessarily all encompassing of a person's life. A film is using a person's life to tell a particular story, and how they use that story, uh, or how they use elements of that person's life, is over to the filmmaker, in my opinion. But again, yeah, I have not seen the, the tricky thing is then you can get into the into the. I mean, everything is propaganda hashtag, uh, but the it does get into like you could omit. Uh, thing like it, I I go back and forth in it. I think if you're doing a biopic on someone, yeah, you you have the right to leave in or or make. I mean, it's just like a documentary. Your, your perspective, your bias is present. Yeah. Um. There's no way of not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I think they wanted to make the most entertaining film and the one and one that maybe wouldn't one that would make people they they wanted to make a movie that made people feel a certain way and knew that including that piece of very factual information would make people not feel that way and probably buck them off. Mm-hmm. Uh. And you, you we can get into I mean fuck we we don't know the answer but like you can get into the morality of that one way or the other. There's a, a bunch of different arguments. So uh, I I do actually. Think think and i i would actually want to talk to more people about this before i 100 percent weighed in i upon first viewing thought the uh appropriation of the music was handled but i think again through some rose-colored glasses of course like everyone was friends which maybe they were i have no idea Hmm. but like it did feel kind of weird that like in the movie Everyone uh, uh, on the African-American side of things felt like super supportive of Elvis and he was literally just like riffing on their shit and like put like making a bunch of money off of it. So like, yeah, it's weird. It's Mm. weird. It's also a Baz Luhrmann movie. That's not an excuse. That's a reason. Uh, and, uh, he wanted to give a specific vibe or feeling off the thing. And I think he did it, whether or not that's responsible in, uh, whatever day and age, that's a whole nother shebang. 
But, uh, I'm yeah. very curious to see that film, if only to see Tom Hanks hamming it up uh, in his uh, as the snowman. As, I don't, I don't, I do, uh, the Colonel, right? He is the Colonel. Yeah, but his, his, his nickname was the Snowman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I know very little about Elvis Presley. Uh, other than I that, didn't I'm, know much either. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see that. Uh, in response, like, to that's the question, point. That. Actually, sorry, I just want to back up the that's sort of the interesting thing, right? This is showing to an audience who knows not like a a younger audience who like 20s or something that probably doesn't know a ton about Elvis Presley. If we don't know a ton about Elvis Presley, right? Like that's Mm. kind of technically before our our generation. So Mm. like uh, not including the the darker, rougher edges will leave people with a different view. And again, how much of that responsibility of a legacy of a person on a filmmaker is there? I don't know if there's any, but it's just an interesting. It's an interesting, yeah, thing to think about. I, I think, uh, for me personally, where it comes into play is when there is a contradiction in um, the person's life versus what the film is trying to tell us about that person's life. So, um, for example. Uh, if if someone was to make a film about Michael Jackson and uh, wanted to make it about his love of um, you know um, uh, of helping children, for example, and omitted the controversy about what may have transpired in Michael Jackson's life uh, at the detriment of particular children, and you know, and then there would be a contradiction there in terms of what the film is trying to say versus what the truth is actually telling us about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's when it becomes an, an issue. But if a, if, a, if a story is not about a certain thing, then it doesn't need to include, you know, that. But but if that sure. certain thing contradicts what the story is trying to tell us, in the Elvis case, and I think in almost every case it kind of does, because what is this movie trying to tell us? It was trying to tell us how amazing Elvis was and what a good person Elvis was and what a complex person Elvis was. Right. But these things would make you think otherwise in certain situations. So, like, right. it, it it's doing that just on a personal level, not a, a topical level. The topic right. is Elvis. They are omitting sections of that topic that could be contradictory to the Elvis they are showing you. Um, again, I, I, again it, I think it's a better movie because it doesn't do that. It's a more ent- as an entertainment property. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, whether or not it's right or not, I, I can't answer. I'd be curious. And just to answer, um, or just to come up that uh, that question, one person, uh, a video essayist, probably the most famous filmmaker who was formerly a video essayist on YouTube, is Kogognada, who made uh, Columbus and currently streaming on Hulu right now is this film, After Yang, which I've heard nothing but great things about. And I've seen nice. Columbus, and it is absolutely superb. Uh, Kogognada's uh, video essays are uh, incredible and uh, should be a guiding light in terms of how video essays should be made. Oh, no, not how video essays should be made, but in terms of like the potential for video essays says to be art unto right. themselves an um, elevated art form yeah unto themselves uh so uh check out kogognata if you have not uh and definitely check out those films uh columbus and after yang but the film we're gonna check out today is the bob's burgers movie the bob's burgers movie can you tell us what the bob's burgers movie is about oh i surely can the belchers try to save the restaurant from closing as a sinkhole forms in front of it while the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. That's what is from IMDb. Using the same, using the word restaurant twice in one sentence. I, I would just say the main thing here is this, this is, a, this is a, 
uh, presuming that you have a lot of information about what Bob's Burgers as a property is unto itself. Um, Which is fine. As, as a movie, like if you, if you didn't know anything about Bob's Burgers, you'd be like, what restaurant? What sinkhole? Yeah. What kids? What are we talking about here? Uh, I mean, Bob's Burgers been around, for, what, since tw- 2011? Like yeah, Bob's 13, Burgers. 13 seasons now. Yeah, like it's possible to not know what they what it is, but I would say it's almost as ubiquitous as a Family Guy. Um, definitely more so than American Dad. Um, mm. I mean, and definitely not The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons, obviously, is the progenitor. Um, South Park might be the only thing that ever is eking closer to that, mm. um, as far as you know, knowledgeability and popularity. But Bob's Burgers is. I mean, what's your history with the show, Shahir? Are you a fan of the show? Do you? I mean, how much have you seen of it? Uh, and again, it's interesting uh, because we, we were going to have Zach on this episode, but uh, a lot of uh, Zach and my friendship is is predicated upon our extreme knowledge of The Simpsons, um, because uh, The Simpsons was a show that I watched uh, many episodes of repeatedly and would be able to quote ad nauseum. Uh, Bob's Burgers is obviously modeled on The Simpsons, or at least in some way the success of Bob's Burgers. Uh, you can certainly see a precedent set by The Simpsons um, for it. Of course, South Park and uh, Family Guy and American Dad um, also follow that trend line, and this all dates right back to the Flintstones uh, and and the American sitcom in general, the American family yeah. sitcom in general. Um, my my feeling is is that had I been a little bit younger, or the the thing about my relationship to The Simpsons, and, I, and this is this is really about Bob's Burgers or how I interact with Bob's Burgers, is that I watched The Simpsons when um, streaming services were not available, uh, DVDs were not available. And so we, what we, we, the reason I watched so many episodes is that we had a friend that would tape every single episode of The Simpsons, put it on a VHS tape, and we would circulate these tapes amongst ourselves. Right. And that was the only, and, you know, so I would come home and just watch, you know, four or five episodes of The Simpsons, and they would be the same episodes I'd seen before. I did it with Futurama as well. Bob's Burgers now comes to us at a time when uh, a, there is a lot more selection of things that you could watch at the same time, and it is on demand, so you can watch it whenever you want. I love Bob's Burgers. I think Bob's Burgers is absolutely delightful. It is basically, you know, it, it generally runs on the same uh, model of storytelling as those other shows, but without a hint of cynicism and is yeah. made with the, with a sort of sense of pure joy and love, and, and I think it is absolutely delightful. You know what's interesting? So I think The Simpsons rides a heartfelt cynicism mm. very on a knife's edge. I think that's why it became the juggernaut that it is. Futurama is all cynicism. And I think that's why it's really, really cool in that direction. And I think on the total opposite side of the spectrum, if I was going to make the holy trinity of animated television shows in the last uh, you know, 15 years, I would say that Bob's Burgers is the the wholesome side of that equation. The, right. There's no cynicism. It's it's It wears its heart on its sleeve all the time. And the thing that's amazed me, I can't think of another property that can make sincerity this hilarious. <laughs> like, right? Like, like I, I, oh, you know what? I'll give one more, but it's just been recent. Ted Lasso. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the, the thing here is that uh, the writing on Bob's Burgers is so good. That's that. That's really what sets us apart. It's it's so good. I dressed up as Bob uh, for Halloween to a couple of Halloweens ago. Jamie went as Teddy. Like th- this, these are this is a show that I am a fan of. Who who's your favorite character? 
Oh, uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Every time I think of one, I move around it. Okay. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, uh, Louise was the standout for me at first, but I think uh, Linda. It's, oh, it yeah. has to be Linda's Linda. great. They're uh, all great. I think, yeah, like you uh, say, it's just look at around. the tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're all great. Um, what's what's apparent to me now is that as I enter middle age as a grown adult man, uh, is that Bob's uh, anxiety about life is now becoming my anxiety about life. Yeah. And like, that was the interesting thing about watching the, this particular movie is that I, I guess... In terms of economic uncertainty, not that I am economically uncertain, but being an adult is about like navigating economic uncertainty in many ways. And and watching Bob panic at the fact that he will not be able to pay the bills has never felt more real to me than it does right now. Let's be very clear. We are all financially uncertain. Of course. It doesn't course, matter how. Yeah. I mean. I, it, I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not destitute. <laughs> is, is, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. Uh, we're I making mean, podcasts. We're, we're, yeah, I'm sitting yeah. here on a microphone talking Despite to you on the Despite the fact the internet is really fighting us. Dear <laughs> listeners, we won't get into the beef of it, but holy moly, this episode is being, is, we're wrangling it. We're, we're, it's like it's like an internet crocodile, and <laughs> I've got the tail, and Shahir's got the neck, and we're just sort of rolling around until we get to the aforementioned sinkhole that Bob's Burgers, the, the <laughs> The Bob's Burgers movie uh, deals with. Well, um, so so well, you love the show. Did you love, love the, show. the movie? And so, so I have a complicated relationship with animated shows that become movies. Okay, we're talking shows about that South love, Park, South Simpsons. Like South Park, I liked, but uh, I haven't gone back to watch Bigger, Longer, and Uncut in a while. I'm not sure if it would vibe with me anymore. Yeah, I love um, it. I love Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I think it's genius. Um, the Simpsons movie I did not like. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and and another show that I absolutely adore, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That movie I did not like. Now that was uh, like didn't because <laughs> I used to have the Aqua Teen Hunger Force uh, DVD. Didn't they yeah. have like as as a as a bonus feature the deleted movie? If I'm not mistaken, like they had a whole other movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> as I a, think as they a did. Bonus I mean, feature. look again. They're <laughs> the kings of trolling. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like I respect the game. I just didn't like watching it. Um, <laughs> But no, uh, this just felt like a lovely, slightly upgraded version of the show. And um, it's funny. I, I didn't quite realize the starkness of the improved animation mm. with the budget uh, until I think this is, a, is, this is a compliment, not a not a, a dig uh, until once it was over on Hulu, it auto played the first Bob's Burgers. Oh, wow. That's like watching and the so, first Simpsons episode where it's like, I know. what the and hell so, is this? And like tone and and whatever, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, like and I again, I understand that it's an elevated form of what it's doing. Yeah, um, and also from the first season, I know uh, to, I to know. where they are now is, is so, probably a hundred light years. Yeah, but um, I I don't. No, I actually enjoyed this movie very much, but I did it because it did. It it felt to me like despite the fact that there was a bigger budget and they could do uh you know smoother animation and 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 do some tricks that i'm sure they they really wanted to and make some things look really pretty it never lost sight of what it was supposed to be doing and that's telling a story that's a little bit of an adventure about a family trying to keep it together and like sort of protecting themselves that's what the whole show is about like so i don't know it never so case in point the trailer for this movie had me worried hmm. Uh, you don't watch trailers. Did not see the trailer. So the the parts where um, 
Louise is talking to the toys, mm-hmm. and Gene sees the um, and he's doing the rock concert, mm-hmm. and he's fantasizing about the aliens coming down mm-hmm. and the robot the yelling robot, at him. Yeah, yeah. So the way it's cut together, uh, the uh, it, it made it look like there's a sinkhole and the thing, and they're at the wharf and whatever, and oh fuck, aliens are here, and then Louise is talking to aliens. And they have to go on an adventure with the aliens. Like, it was pushing a weird meta-narrative of, like, oh, now aliens exist in Bob's Burgers. Right. And I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. So I was trepidatious going into this. Right. And then when I realized it was all, like, and I should have trusted it, but, like, when I realized that that wasn't going to be a part of it, I, like, just let this movie wash over me like a wonderful, warm, (laughs) like, incoming tide, and I'm just laying at the wharf, uh, letting it wash over me yeah. uh, with with joy and and calmness. <laughs> so no, I dug it a bunch. Uh, what about you, sir? Uh, I think you've actually raised a bunch of really interesting points here because, um, for example, the question that um, I think needs well should, is raised in the show like this is what is the impetus to jump from television show to movie? And of course, there are many examples where that has happened and has been enormously successful and has actually transformed the dynamic of the show entirely. I'm thinking, of course, of Star Trek. And then uh, numerous examples, I think, like the Simpsons movie, where um, the movie feels like an extended episode, albeit, as you mentioned, a highly escalated um, mm-hmm. one in terms of production value um, in that particular case. I think South Park um, still reigns supreme in terms of that that because what they saw was an opportunity to push the actual buttons that they push as a show into a movie. So the um, as a musical, as a musical, and and but you know the very first line where uh, the very first moment when um, Cartman says Kyle's mom's a bitch uh, is really a provocation and saying hey we can do this now and like this is suddenly. A different thing than you were worse than you were used to as a television show, and so they were really like pushing that uh, that side of it, um, and I think they, they did it uh, amazingly. I also it's been a while, but I recall the Beavis and Butthead movie do it uh, being a really oh good Beavis show. and Butthead do America. Yeah. There's a new one called Beavis and yeah. Butthead do the Universe yeah. on yeah. Paramount Plus, which I have zero interest in seeing. Uh, I'm I'm curious because again I, I love Mike Judge and I and I thought again that that first leap was pretty pretty extraordinary. So the question here in the Bob's various cases like does the leap from television to movie um signal you know like do they do they do that with any purpose and i will say ultimately not a lot you know like there's a a sort of a lack of ambition in terms of like hey we're in a different medium now let's tell different stories but that's not what bob's burgers has ever been about like if you think about a show like family guy for example where they really are pushing the narrative envelope in terms of like hey we're going to tell Five, 10 minutes of actual story and the remaining 10 minutes are actually are just long extended gags that kind of that continue we want to press that button as much as yeah. we can and bob's burger has, has never been a show to uh wink at the audience or or probe the fourth wall or or even you know uh extend the former except in like really lovingly ways like their diehard episode or um or the or the crossover with Archer. Oh, the I, crossover like... with Archer. Where yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, the, like you said, I think the movie is a gentle, warm bath. Which is that I watched it, and I haven't been watching Bob's Burgers in a while, and this was just such a wonderful. Oh yeah, I should just go back and keep continue to watch Bob's Burgers, and I'm also just loving these 
these you know this one hour and 40 this extended episode uh, yeah. as an episode unto itself i think it's just a really great solid episode of bob's burgers um i also think uh in the climate that we have not literally and metaphorically um, <laughs> it just would have been a great movie to see in a in an air-conditioned theater yeah. and feel good at the end of it and walk out going man I really enjoyed what I watched, you know, like just feeling good about what I saw. Just to contrast that with Thor, Love and Thunder, for example, a movie that we saw last week. Uh, it, that should have felt like yeah, this. Thor, Love and Thunder should have felt like this. And Thor Ragnarok kind of felt like this, you know, like it we did. were like, did. I actually just really enjoyed it for what it was. And I think, you know, what film Hulk was talking about in his essay of uh, Thor Love and Thunder is the expectation game is very different. And the expectation game is with Bob's Burgers is very different. But it is a warm, gentle hug. And I think the real, the real um, shining star in this is how good the cast and the writing is and how good the cast is and how good the writing serves that cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is, the, you know, like we do at the, at the start of every episode, we try to find lines from the, from the, the show to, from the movie to, to, to say, and I, yeah. the way I always think about that task is, um, trying to think of something that exemplifies my, not only what the movie was, but also my opinion of that movie, um, which is surprising what you can do in one line. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just an embarrassment of riches. Oh, it's time. It, yeah. I mean, it, every line was like, uh, was worth writing down. And it's, should we sham pump our way out of here? Yeah. <laughs> Or, or babies don't go into holes, they come out of them. Yeah, there was, there was like in a sideline where, where like Bob, like Gene tells Bob to pound harder and he's, I'm pounding as hard as I can. And it's yeah. like, and nobody makes a gag about it because it's just such a beautifully delivered line that's funny unto itself. I also love that Kevin Klein is spending his days just doing this show. You know, like I, yeah. Kevin Klein is such a He's great fish actor. odor, right? What's that? He's Mr. Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's such a great actor. And it's like, I just love that he just does the show and he's got such a great voice for the show. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, The the other thing about Bob's Burgers, and this movie does it as well, that I always really appreciate is every once in a while it cranks one tiny thing to 11. (laughs) Yeah. And here it was two parts for me. Right. First part was when Louise falls into the hole uh, <laughs> and the dead body comes out and a tooth falls out into her mouth. Into her mouth. That was such, that, for me, this was a real Goonies moment. Yeah. yeah. But like that is a level of elevation I was not expecting. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the second thing, actually, and it all kinds of has to do with the sinkhole, is by the end, and we're definitely into spoilers territory, where Bob and the family are in a car being buried alive <laughs> yeah. in the sinkhole. Right. And it's funny because Bob's Burgers does this sort of thing every once in a while. It'll take something like way grimmer than the rest of it and throw these characters who are all heart at the problem and somehow their heart gets them through something that's awful. Right. Like, and that's, I don't know. It's just a really good feeling. It worked really well here. Um, I I liked I liked the I here I feel like I'm giving a lot of praise. I will I will say that the while while the need to give every character something to do or at least a motivation at the very least the three kids and Bob. Linda felt like she didn't have a ton of a motivation no. in this with this one, but that's okay. I actually <laughs> would have preferred 
a little bit less of the three kids motivations like Tina wants uh uh to take the uh, to be summer boyfriend girlfriend with Jimmy Jr. Gene wants to rock out at the at the at the at the war festival and Tina wants people to stop thinking that she's a baby because of her hat. Right. <laughs> um and they they do they take all those Every story and, and is told. It's told and it's tied together. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm going to levy any criticism at this, it felt like they were like, well, we have this runtime. I guess we need to do this sort of thing. Like the fact that those things work together well yeah. is not a necessity to get across the story they are telling as a whole. Uh, that Again, I, I am I am picking the finest of nit yeah. here. I never did not have a good time watching this, but I always, whenever I'm like, man, I really liked this movie, I always would be like, okay, what's one thing I noticed <laughs> That like oh okay like specifically um, like Gene's Gene's plot line which wasn't right. much of a plot line he invented an instrument yeah and then he thought he could headline the concert uh, and then like that becomes his motivation for saving fish odor uh, like you know it all connects yeah well even like like the way you were reading the uh, the IMDb synopsis here. The enjoyment of this movie is predicated a lot on like how much you know about Bob's Burgers. Yeah, and, but I also think that's the the show the the movie doesn't have a high barrier to entry if you don't like. But although, yeah, may, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'd be curious again uh, for people who are email not, us in. Yeah, yeah, who are not um, who are not familiar with Bob's Burgers. Watch uh, this first and see what you get out of it. See what you get out of it. But Mark Kermode over at the or you know Mark Kermode, the famous reviewer, um, you know, did say he was not a he was not aware of Bob's Burgers. In fact, he thought Bob's Burgers was a kid show. Um, oh. And so when he went to watch the Bob's Burgers movie, he was expecting something akin to SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, and then, but but he found it imminently quotable and 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 hilarious. And and for him, he was like, I am now going to go back and watch every single episode of Bob's Burgers. And that's the thing. Even with, like, again, like, you might not know uh, Mr. Fish Odor. You might not know the right. dynamic with Teddy. You might not know all this stuff. The movie does a good job of, like, setting up archetypes because that's what that's what these characters are. Yeah. Like, Mr. Fish Odor is a absentee landlord right. who's rich. Cool. Right. Great. Uh, Teddy is the bumbling best friend who has an idea and has to do the, the cart and, like, you know, like the, 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 I, I like Teddy's arc was just making, like, Teddy always wants to fix Bob's problems and he does it in the worst, possible, <laughs> yeah. not the worst possible way, just the silly, silly I mean, way. the cart is, you know, I, would I eat an olive off of it? I don't know, but, you but i the toothpick it. back. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the, the carny section was funny. Oh, the, in terms of the elevated production value, I think one thing that like was really startling and, and beautiful was the uh, animation of every character's dance moves. It yes. was clearly like they had spent more time, a little bit more money on that, and it was really beautiful to watch. That's the other thing. Bob's Burgers, if you're not in the know, although if you're not and you're watching this movie and you're listening to this, this we're in a weird uh, cross-section of the Venn diagram here and I don't know exactly how to address you. But the one of the things in Bob's Burgers' DNA is music right. and movement uh, and dance. Yeah. 
and to be able to see them pull off some things in, in like in larger, smoother fashion was just very, very nice to see. This felt like a victory lap to me. Yeah. But like in a way that like I like very rarely do I like seeing a victory lap mm. if it's not my victory lap. Yeah. Uh and uh this is not that case. I was like, yes, got standing ovation. Well, watch this go around the track one more time, take it slow, be <laughs> smooth about it. I mean, yeah, you could argue that ultimately the film becomes Louise's film, right? Um, and is ultimately uh, her story of like the bunny ears is kind of the backbone of what the film is and willing to accept it. But it's not a film, um, uh, unlike, for example, you know, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, um, where they really are changing the dynamic of what the show is in the movie. This mm-hmm. is not changing that dynamic. Like we don't. Yeah, even... Satan's not coming and attacking the globe. Yeah, exactly. And this is there's not a like... sinkhole, and the burger place might close. <laughs> the the sinkhole oddly did remind me of the the dome in the Simpsons storyline as well. Like, well, it's the external other larger force. Yeah, exactly. even though it's very very tiny. I mean, because Bob's Burgers is kind of all about making rent all the time yeah. when it's the adult story. Yeah, this was. Hey, by the way. You need to make rent and your loan. Oh fuck! No one can get into the one place where you make money. Yeah, and like I, I like I I also don't get me wrong. Uh, like there were hints at this movie where I was like, oh, I think they're gonna push this idea. Like I when we saw Bob and Linda sitting on top of the car looking at the restaurant for the first time before they had kids, and you know the like droopy Bob versus optimistic yeah. Bob. You gotta hit droopy Bob in the nuts, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, I was like, "Oh, are they really gonna? Are they gonna? Are we gonna go into an origin story of this and and you know, really kind of open the problem? Is not it's not the problem. the The movie <laughs> doesn't uh, open up the world in a meaningful way. It just explores the world that they've already set up and tell an extended story within that yeah. world, and that's okay. Like I recall, uh, was it Star Trek Into Darkness? Uh, not the Khan one, but the third yeah, one. Yeah, the third one. Yeah, the third it's one. It's Into Darkness. Yep. Um, you know, like that was just a good episode. It, I liked it. With, with those characters. You know, like yep. it wasn't like transforming the world. It wasn't introducing Khan or anything like that. It was just like, it's a really good episode of Star Wars as a feature length film. Star Trek. and uh, Star Trek, sorry. Um, and it's the same here, which is that this is a really warm and, and the quality from TV to movie has not dipped. It just doesn't go any further than what is already existing on the TV. And it's and to me, I was relieved because of that. Right. Again, I went back in the trailer. Now that you've seen the movie, Sheer, go back and watch the trailer. Right. And you'll be like, oh, fuck. Like, they, it was very, it was very purposeful right. how they cut that together to give the vibe that, like, maybe something like this bigger would happen, even though I don't think the audience really wants that. Right. Like, I think it was to get other people in the door. I Actually, how did this movie do? That's something I didn't even look up. Not that it matters. It, it, but... did, come to, it did come to streaming pretty quickly. That is uh, obviously, again, different to um, the way when the Simpsons movie came out, for example, that was an, an event uh, unto itself. Or when the South Park movie came out, that was an event. This movie seems to have just come out, quickly shuffled out of the movie theater, um, and you know, made its way into home streaming worldwide. Thirty-four million. What was the budget on this thing? Uh, that I do not know. Right. Uh, but like, and it's so funny. Uh, by the way, thirty-one of that thirty-four million is domestic. Like, right. this is not a movie that's playing overseas. Right, that right. like, uh, let's see if I can find the budget. <laughs> um, but but regardless, it is still a recommend for me, and it's still a film that I 
I could see myself having seen this in a movie theater, really enjoy. I also, you know, again, it's a barometer of taste at this point, but but I also showed my son a few clips from the movie, particularly the the Lucky Ducks Carney dancing. Oh yeah, and he and he and he did chuckle through it. He did kind of like enjoy it, and so. I would love if he and I started watching Bob's Burgers because that, yeah. I think that's more suitable a show for uh, he and I to watch than rather than the Sim. Well, he could probably get into the Simpsons, um, but definitely not Family Guy and definitely not American no. Dad at this point. Uh, the budget was thirty-eight million right. and it's made thirty-four. So I mean, I bet you by the time in a couple years, maybe it will have made something back. The proposition for something like this is entirely different, though, as well, because it's not riding solely on the success of this yeah. particular film. It's whether this the film drives up the audience viewership, for example, of, uh, of, the, show. of the show itself, and whether that drives up the merchandising in general or whatever. Um, you know, like, I, I don't think it hinges upon this. You know, like, uh, Bob's Burgers uh, continuing does not hinge upon this. Um, I also was looking up Lauren Borchard today, and uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, but just looking at the the sort of uh, the array of shows that he had created, including Doctor Katz, which was a show I really enjoyed. Uh, another mm-hmm. one, uh, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, I think, which I hadn't seen. Um, and just looking at the array of shows he created before landing on um, Bob's Burgers, which again, if we think about the trajectory of the American sitcom, you know, like thinking about um uh, uh archie uh what was the, the the show with archie bunker um or or, or sanford and son and um the honeymooners the honeymoon no. you know like ba- no. whatever it was leading up to the to, to the flintstones and then uh the article i was reading today suggested that you know like the american sitcom was important all in the family all, all in the family uh was important because it's it highlighted the everyday life of the working class and it's still important an important factor in the american psyche is watching um the 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 middle class you know the working blue collar people um as reflected on television and then if we track that back to a show like the flintstones again which also followed that same trajectory and and leads its way to now it's really interesting to me that essentially the you know, with small deviations, um, the central premise of The Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad, um, Bob's Burgers, and South Park is really the same premise, which is that small town working families. You know, like it, it really is kind of a sick. Well, it's the same setting. It's I mean, sa- I would, I would, to be perfectly honest, I would put Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, um, in the in the category and in Flintstones and of course like that sort of thing in the category of like working um, like family or people like doing the job stuff whereas whereas granted Family Guy South Park there are people who work jobs but that's never a focus but think about it this way in terms of like delineations in genre of science fiction for example yeah um, Battlestar Galactica is not the same show as Quantum Leap or Deep Space Nine, or anything like that. You know, like, there's such a big deviation, like, there's a big deviation on what the premise of the show is. It's all tone. Yeah, and and here, in in this American sitcom, like, the premise kind of deviates somewhat, but it really is just, you know, like, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is a very different show um, to, well, actually, actually, no, that's not true, that's mean, not entirely that, that's true. That's kind of what I'm saying, right? Like, sci-fi encompasses that, the sitcom encompasses what you're talking mm-hmm. about, but I would never put tonally Family Guy and Bob's Burgers in the same camp. It doesn't deal with a... Animated family? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. 
Tonally, they are different. They, yeah. and, and you couldn't find a more stark difference between South Park and Bob's Burgers, for example. Yeah. Those are two tonally very different shows. Yeah. Um, Did you know the last appearance of Archie Bunker was in an episode called I'm Torn Here in 1983? I didn't know that, but now I do. Thank you so much, Google. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I think uh, the movie does a great service to continuing our love of a, the working class family dynamic, and in this particular case, the right, the, the sort of comedic writing of a family under pressure. For me personally, um, you, you know, and I think what happens in a show like this, for example, is that over time, certain characters evolve to being the main character of the show. You know, The Simpsons initially began with the premise that Bart was the, the main character. And then over time, people realized that Homer was actually the main character. Yeah. Um, and I think in the case of Bob's Burgers, um, it's really hard to see where they're going with this. Uh, in terms well, of the thing, I don't think that's the thing about Bob's yeah. Burgers that I really, really love. I don't think anyone's the main character. I think certain episodes lean on different people, but I think it's, it's truly, truly a, a show about family. Yeah. And I every think, character can, ca- the thing that's interesting there is I think every character can carry the show. That's why I do think that Bob's Burgers, in my humble opinion, is the spiritual successor to The Simpsons like nothing else has been. Because, again, there have been popular family-focused cartoons. Mm. South Park, I don't think, is a spiritual successor to The Simpsons because while it's incredibly successful and funny, it is not nearly uh, – it's, it's not setting out to do something similar to what The Simpsons did. I think The Simpsons – The Simpsons feel like a family. Like by the by by you know mid season three or four when they found their groove, it's no longer just jokes about a punk kid. It's about a family living in a elevated weird world of Springfield, right? This is about a family. This is this is about. By and, and again, going back to your sitcom your sitcom scenario, hmm. this is a thing where no matter what, the power of this family caring about each other, even if they disagree or they get into fights or they do whatever and they're not having a good time, by the end of the 20 minutes, or in this case, the hour 40, like they're all going to come out on top because they have each other. I think I, I agree with that. And I think maybe one thing to think about here, and it may have to do with time more than anything, uh, is that there was a certain animus between the Simpsons, South Park, and Family Guy in terms of in terms of what those shows were. Family Guy would poke fun at the Simpsons being outdated, and the South Park and South Park being would poke fun at both Family Guy and the Simpsons as being uh, not edgy enough. And the Simpsons would also, um, I, I think, they would make gags about um, uh, Family Guy and American Dad being essentially uh, plagiarizing. Uh, what those what their show yeah, was. Simpsons did it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think there was an animus between all of those shows. I get the feeling that the many creators of The Simpsons would look upon Bob's Burgers very fondly without yeah. any of the animus. Uh, yeah, because it's taking the heart of what they did without taking the the edginess of the structure of the jokes or whatever it is. Like it's 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 a that's why I meant truly it's a spiritual successor yeah. for a show called Family Guy. <laughs> It has very little to do but, with that. And again, Family Guy is funny. Yeah, I have no I problem with really Family Guy. I really enjoy Family Guy uh, quite a bit. But and like, but at most, it's two characters working together toward a weird, twisted goal. 
Like it doesn't feel like a family. Like right. and and it's fine. Like that's that's do do what you want to do with your show. I I don't know. I like my final thought is this movie's really good. Bob's Burgers is really good. I and, and I say I, I cannot say this about a lot of animated uh, shows that even I enjoy. Mm. I think the world is a better place because Bob's Burgers is in it. Yeah, there's a tid lesser quality to it, right? Yeah, yeah. like it. It's just better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I. And it's funny. I would. I. I was a late bloomer to this. I think uh, maybe. Th- Four years ago, I think I got into Bob's Burgers thanks to uh, Elise Brando and Jamie and Tanya at Jet House back when they when they lived over there. Uh, that was one of their favorite shows that was always on. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh, cool!" Yeah. And like that was just sort of the thing. I I um, missed the like I you know again when I was younger, my my experience of that was sitting around watching The Simpsons with my friends, and I can imagine that if you have a bunch of people that live together, Bob's Burgers would be just that thing you could always throw on and everyone yeah. would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's such a, and it's in, imminently quotable, uh, and a lot of fun. And I, you know, like the, for all its lack of ambition, I think fundamentally the film works. Yeah. It really, it really lands. And the writing is so good. I'd ask the, the pressing question. Why can't buildings have little legs? Why can't buildings have little legs? It's a really, uh-huh. I, Linda was yeah. onto something there. I think so. <laughs> anyway, this has been the only podcast about the Bob's Burgers movie. The Bob's Shahir. When you are not returning triumphantly from uh, your assisting one of the greatest working directors with his retrospective on the Wiggles, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me restoring uh, the Wiggles to its rightful place as a six- spiritual successor to Schizopolis. Wow. At my website, That's S-H-A-H-A-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you're not frantically Googling the weird references that are coming out of my brain, where can people find you? You can find me saying why I oughta <laughs> over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works, or Skeletor, the number four, Pierre on Instagram or PSN, or of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits as well. I believe by the time this airs, we will, ooh, we will just have um, put out a episode on uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, the, uh, uh, the book. The Agatha uh, Christie book. Yeah, the Agatha Christie book. And we referenced some of the movie stuff too, but uh, it's which, mostly which that. Movie? And, uh, the Kenneth Branagh. Oh, okay. Uh, have, you, yeah. have you seen the original? I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, and I like the different twists and things. Yeah. And I, something I'm actually very, very proud of. I, this is I, we're not going to get into the spoilers for Murder on the Orient Express, though it is a very, very old story. Uh, the episode that we did on Extra Credits, we do spoiler free. Mm-hmm. However, we somehow managed to let you know as an audience what the ending is if you know what the ending is. And I'd be curious, email us in here, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you also watch that show. Let me know if you can find the line where we admit to showing you the ending without telling you <laughs> we're showing you the ending. I was very proud of it. It was really, really cool. Shout outs to our writer, R. Kevin, on that one because it was choice. Um, yeah, next week, I hope we're doing Nope. I, I hope we're doing Nope as well. Nope is getting great reviews. Um, there's a tenor to everyone's uh, d- declarations about uh, Jordan Peele at this point, saying calling him a, the real deal. And I was like, I thought that was really painfully evident already. But yeah. uh, 
Uh, I mean, I guess you need three. I, I don't fucking know. I guess know. you need three, but I, 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 I mean, I would count Key and Peele as one. <laughs> like, I, if we're doing three. Oh, the substitute you know. teacher skit should be, yeah, like, should, you should get two points for that one on its own. Gr- Gremlins two, baby. Gremlins two. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, yeah. I think that should be what we talk about. So that's your cinematic homework, uh, everybody out there. Go see Nope so we can talk with you about it next week. I'm looking forward to it. Until then. Good day! No! Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, why not?